For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to Hashtag Lakers, your homie's place for all things Lakers. Hashtag perfectly for your ears. With special appearances from Laker beat writers, NBA insiders, journalists, and Laker fanatics all over the world. We'll break down and analyze the latest games, trending news, trade rumors, signings, injuries, and much more. So tune in. And let's talk Lakers basketball. Hey, hoopheads. We all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Hey, what's up and welcome to Hashtag Lakers, brought to you by Hoopheads and Dash Radio. Uh, I'm Yoel Legazzo and uh, today I have uh, with me today two guests. Uh, first, we'd like to welcome Jovan Buha. He's the Lakers beat writer for The Athletic and he's a co-host of the Forum Club podcast. Welcome to the show, Jovan. How's it going, man? Good, good. Um, and we also have on the show with us today, Alex Regla. He's been on the show before. He's the co-host of the Taco Tuesday segment on the Silver Screen and Roll podcast. And he's also the author of the newsletter, uh, Throwdowns. So welcome back to the show, Alex. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, appreciate you both joining the show today. I think it's going to be a good one. Uh, we're here today to recap and review the uh, first half of the season. But before we do get started, uh, first off, Jovan, congratulations, man. Uh, I know you just got your first uh, APSE award um, for your uh, story in the Clippers chemistry. So that's a big deal. So congrats. Thank you so much. Um, it, it was a, a nice surprise to wake up to this morning. Uh, I, I had known that the Athletic had submitted me, but you, you never expect to win one of those types of awards. So uh, at least I don't. I, I never won a writing award before since... Uh, I tweeted since the eighth grade. So for me, this is, this is pretty cool. And uh, I'm very humbled and grateful. Yeah, that's a big deal. Congrats, man. Um, 
And Alex, so um, really quick, I just wanted to uh, ask you about last night on AEW. So Shaq got knocked out. Obviously, I think everybody saw that. Uh, I'm sure you saw that. I just wanted to get your quick thoughts real quick on that. Oh, I got. I appreciate the segue from Yovan's major award to professional wrestling. But yeah, uh, yeah. so Shaq performed yesterday in AEW. Now, I'm going to say I was very impressed. He was... Uh, he was a true professional. He took a bump that I did not expect him to take. He went through two tables. Oh, uh, yeah. And yes. then later in the episode, uh, he got loaded into an ambulance. And when they opened the, the doors, he disappeared. So maybe some Kazam, Kazam. type stuff might have happened there. <laughs> the, the, the thing that I saw, um, which really shocked me, was, you know, he, yeah, dude, like that, uh, where he, he, um, you know, he fell, right? Cody, Cody Rhodes just jumped on him, right? And that's when he got knocked out. But it, it, pretty funny. If you see the clip really closely, you see Shaq tapping, tapping Cody Rhodes. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, that's like a little like a inside uh, baseball thing. They make sure they're okay. You know, like they tap him on the back saying he's okay and stuff. But yeah, again, like I was impressed. He did really well. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, all right, so... Um, Yovan, uh, Alex, so just to go over the agenda for today real quick um, to get on to the show. Um, on our first segment, we want to take a look at, um, you know, we're going to recap. We're going to review this, uh, the first half. We're going to look at the record, um, the Lakers record, and discuss how this team uh, has performed so far. Um, talk about strengths, talk about weaknesses, and so forth. And then on the second segment, uh, we're going to take a deeper dive into the players themselves and identify the players that we thought, uh, you know, that just surprised us or exceeded expectations. And those uh, players that we think um, may need a little bit more of uh, an improvement. Um, and then on the latter end of the show, we'll talk about uh, some expectations that we have for the second half of the season. And then of course we have the all-star weekend this uh, uh, coming upcoming. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. But uh, all right, so the Lakers are 24 and 13. Um, they're fourth place in the Western Conference, right? Um, and as a, a lot has gone on since the, the start of the season. So, so guys, let me, let me hear your thoughts on this team's performance and record so far. Uh, maybe in the course, we'll talk about, um, in the course of our discussion, we'll kind of highlight the strengths and weaknesses or concerns that we may have. But uh, you know, let me let me open the floor to you to both of you. You know, what do you guys think of uh, the Lakers' first half of the season? Well, uh, I, I think it's been all things considered a success. What when you look at uh, Anthony Davis has missed what 13, 14 games rather, um, and you know the the fact that Alex missed eight games, and uh, they, they've had you know uh, now Marcus Sewell missing a couple games and. Um, you know, I, I think if, if we had known that heading into the season and for them to be the three seed and, and really, you know, only what a, a game back, uh, not even a game back, a, a half game back of the two seed and then three games back overall of Utah, who has gotten off to this uh, insane start. Like, mm -hmm. I think all things considered, that's a win. And that's what Kyle Kuzma said last night. Uh, you know, he, he thinks that with everything they've had to deal with the, the 71 day off season uh, you know, half of the rotation being brand new and, and then mixing in some injuries, uh, some health and safety protocol situations, 
like the fact that they're right there with one of the, you know, four or five best records in the league. Like, I think that that is a win for, for them, all things considered. So uh, I know this last stretch has been rough. They've gone three and seven, uh, dropped some games that they probably shouldn't have. But all things considered, I think it, it's hard to have too much of an issue with where they're at right now. Uh, yeah, I'm just piggybacking off of that. It, that's pretty much my feelings as well. I think when you look at how they're doing overall, like they're still, even without all the injury or with the injuries, the new roster, uh, basically a brand new stylistically, at least the front court, um, they're still number one defensive rating. Like that's, couldn't ask for more, for more in that regard. I mean, their offense is still uh, a bit of a work in process, but overall, again, like considering everything, all the games missed, like they literally just got Dennis Schroeder back as well. Um, and like you have on said with AD being out and all this roster turnover and stuff like that. I mean, to be only three games back heading into the all-star break, I think that's a, a pretty significant win. Right. And I think it's, um, you know, we, we have to be a little bit uh, patient with the team. And like you, you both have mentioned, like everything that's going on, you know, I'm sure I wanted like a better, a better record, right. I'm sure. I wanted to be first in the West, but um, I think, I think this is a good place. Uh, to be where we are. And I know that, um, um, Yovan, Yovan, you, you mentioned Kyle Kuzma last night, but a few, uh, like a week or so ago, he also talked about like seating, right? Um, like it doesn't really matter. He touched on that. Um, especially for a LeBron, uh, led team. Um, I think we just need to get to the playoffs. Um, and then, uh, and then, you know, we'll be in a good spot and, um, hopefully get it to, uh, the Western Conference Finals and then the finals um, this year. Um, what? So, you know, let me ask you, I know the Lakers have so many strengths just because of uh, of the Lakers roster, right? Um, but what are you guys concerned about? And maybe, you know, we've talked about this, um, you know, on Twitter and so forth all over the place. Um, you know, what what are you concerned about with this team and, uh, what are some of the weaknesses? I know we've been hearing a lot of talk lately of, of buyout candidates. So I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on, on this. I, I think I, I see two weaknesses or, or you know, potential weaknesses with, with this roster right now. Uh, one being three-point shooting. Right now, they, they really only have two guys in the rotation that are making threes at a, a above league average rate. Uh, league average this season has been about 36.5, 37%. Uh, and, and by that standard, the only two guys who are shooting above that in the rotation are KCP and Alex Caruso, both at 40%. Everyone else is at 36.5% or lower, which essentially means everyone else is, is shooting league average or worse. And if there's one potential offensive weakness for this team, I just think it's that teams are going to load up on LeBron and AD, uh, be it in the post and the pick and roll, uh, in isolation, whatever it is, and they're going to have to, you know, ping the ball around the perimeter and find open shooters. And if those guys are, you know, continue to, to shoot the way that they've been shooting recently, uh, you know, the Lakers are going to have the, you know, 15th ranked offense or whatever they currently are right now and, and have months like the February that they just had where they were last in the league in three point shooting. And I don't think they're, you know, I don't think they're the worst team in the league in three point shooting. But I, I do think that looking at the roster, there is not really a high volume three-point shooter that you you trust. I mean, I, I guess it's KCP, but he's been under 30% for a few weeks now. So uh, I, that is the only offensive concern I have. Uh, defensively, 
it's the rim protection. And I think that's been a little overblown at times, but it's more of, for, for me, it's not the percentage because they're actually 12th in, in percentage, which, you know, right outside the top 10, it's it's not great, but it is above average. Uh, but it, it's the makes and attempts allowed at the rim. They're, mm-hmm. They've allowed the fifth most makes and the second most attempts. And th- those are the numbers I'm concerned with because I don't even think that's necessarily a rim protection problem in the sense of like Mark or Trez can't protect the rim. I, I actually think it's also a perimeter problem mm-hmm. of yes. containing the ball mm-hmm. and not allowing dribble penetration. So I think figuring that out in, you know, not allowing that many attempts at the rim and, and that many makes and, and then the three point shooting. So when I look at two positions that they could add, I do look at another athletic rim protector type, you know, be it Damian Jones or, or, or someone else. And then I also look at a three and D wing, but particularly a guy who's a better higher volume shooter than some of the guys on on this team. So someone better than a West Matthews or better than a THT at shooting that can kind of slide into that role and, and hit threes and, and be a bit of a floor spacer. So those are the two positions I'm looking at in terms of a potential upgrade for this team. Uh, but I also think that's a form of nitpicking because really like <laughs> they have LeBron, they have AD. I, I think if they were healthy, they, they'd probably have the best or second best record in the league. I, I, I don't, you know, I don't think there's much to criticize, but those are the two areas I'm looking at. And you know, it's funny because as we, as you mentioned all those things, those are all the, the main things I was going to mention too, but those are almost outside of the rim protection point, the exact kind of criticisms or complaints about the Lakers heading into the playoffs last year. Like they were not a good three-point shooting last year, uh, team last year as well. Um, I mean, they didn't have that marquee shooting threat. Like there's no guy currently on the Lakers. You like schematically like an opposing team, you have to scout and say, hey, this is the one guy we have to run him off the line, make him for like force him towards the middle of the paint, make him finish at the rim. There's not, I mean, we could have said KCP earlier in the year when he was shooting like 60% from three or something crazy like that. But right. all those guys cool down. And I, I agree with you, Ovan, they don't have that one guy, or at least as a collective unit, a bunch of above average shooters. And that does mess up your spacing. Like we've already seen, I mean, I think they're 19th in half court offense last I checked. And I think a lot of that has to do with just kind of crowded spacing and everybody loading up in the, in the paint. We've seen teams go zone against the Lakers multiple times uh, recently. And I think that's something again, um, remember in the bubble, those pre those games, those exhibition games leading into the the playoffs, the Lakers are really poor in terms of three point shooting. And people thought, yeah, like that's going to hurt them. And fortunately they had just enough three point shooting in the playoffs to get them, get them over the top. And they had LeBron and AD and, but they didn't have that size and that that kind of athletic advantage they had last year with McGee and Howard. And like I mentioned earlier, like it's stylistically, the front court is just drastically different with Gasol and Harold. Those are just two different types of defenders. So it will be interesting to see, like, like I, I'm not sure if Damian Jones is the answer in terms of that rim protector. Like he's flashed some impressive stuff so far. But mm-hmm. um, again, like picking, picking back off Johan said, I, I'm not sure if it's been as serious of an issue as kind of many fans think it is but i agree with the perimeter lapses i think in phoenix specifically i thought there was a lot of breakdowns on the perimeter even yes. from a guy like russo and kcp and that just puts guys in good like gasol and Harold in tough spots and if you're just looking at the the made basket at the rim instead of the breakdown that happened before that then that's why maybe those perceptions are kind of there right i mean so you guys you guys mentioned you know we might need someone 
who uh, can shoot a little bit better in the, in the three. Um, there was some talk about um, PJ Tucker being available, but what, what do you guys think? Like, is that even possible at all? With uh, um, I know that the the Rockets were looking for someone young. Um, is that even po- a possible option? I mean, I'm trying to look at. I'm trying to see. You know, if if we if this is a need, right? Um, whether or not it's a it's a small need or a big need, but if it's a, if it's a need, if it's a if it's a weakness that we we may have. Um, like who's out there that we that could fill that spot and 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 be, uh, you know, a perfect fit for maybe not like a a perfect fit, but close enough to to where uh, we could patch that hole um, in this in this roster. I really don't know, and and that's what's so fascinating right now because if you look at all the names that have been floated out there, um, it's guys like Andre Drummond, Blake Griffin, Javale McGee. Mm-hmm. Or you know, I, I guess on the wing, it's it's PJ Tucker and, and Trevor Ariza. But PJ Tucker is basically like a four point five right now. Like he he's kind of just become this small ball big who you, you can put him on wings, but he is probably better suited to defend fours and fives at this point. Sure. Uh, and and his shot is a bit shaky, right? He's I mean he's become a better three point shooter, but I don't think he's necessarily like a a knock down guy like in, in the corners yes, Streaky, but, right mm-hmm. um but yeah he's, he's not you know mr reliable necessarily on, on threes and then trevor ariza who's another guy who, who's historically a bit of a, a streaky shooter and we haven't really seen him in a competitive situation in, in almost a couple of years now so it's like sure you don't really know what he's going to look like in let's just say you you put him in the lakers rotation like what, what does he even look like there so i don't know because you know three-point shooting wings are very valuable you know that they're, they're arguably the most valuable role player in the league right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's just going to be like a, you know, teams lining up to get rid of those guys, you know, even, uh, you know, I know is not going to, those two guys are, are probably going to get moved at some point, but even if you're looking at like a rebuilding situation, there still is value in keeping three and D types, you know, around your rebuilding stars. So I, I don't know off the top of my head. I, that's what I'm very interested in. Cause I, I think, one of those guys, if they do become available, could end up swinging, you know, potentially the title race or, or just, you know, the conference finals race. Because if one of those guys goes to Brooklyn or, or Utah or the Clippers instead of the Lakers, like that can make those teams that much better. So I, I am curious in like who's actually available and, and who ends up hitting the buyout market, the trade market, uh, you know, et cetera. Because it feels like everyone right now is a buyer and not really a seller. And I think it's uh, tough for the Lakers specifically because they've already kind of made all their moves in terms of the mm-hmm. assets they've they've kind of pushed their draft picks. Um, even a guy like Tucker, like he makes about last I looked about eight to nine million dollars a year. I mean, the Lakers just money matching. You would have to believe it'd be someone like Kuzma or Harrell or someone like that in that price range right. just to get a deal done. And at that point, I'm not sure if it's worth kind of moving one of those guys who've proven to be you know, key rotation guys for a guy like Tucker, who, I mean, it's tough to gauge him on this year, given everything that's happened in Houston, but, you know, he's having a bit of a down year, his shooting numbers are down, but again, I mean, contextually, who knows if that's just because of what's around them or not, but yeah, I mean, that just speaks again to what moves the Lakers can make mm-hmm. realistically and likely be in the buyout market. Um, maybe a guy like Wayne Ellington, like he, from Detroit, I think he's sure. having a really good year, mm-hmm. but again, like, I'm sure there's four or five other contending teams who would love to add him and who might have an extra second round pick to throw that way sure. or even first for who found me. I don't even know, but again, it just puts them in a tough spot where they are kind of 
banking on some guys hitting the buyout market. But again, I'm not sure if the buyout market really is a place where you find a pivotal difference maker. Like they got lucky right. with uh, Markeith Morris last year. Who, I mean, yes. the guy started playoff games. That's mm. pretty unrealistic in terms of buyout candidates. Uh, but yeah, I mean, again, it's hard to find 3D guys, really good shooters. Those guys are always at a premium. So it'll be interesting to see what types of players they actually target. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to watch for these next couple of weeks. I know the trade deadline is on the 20, uh, March 25th. So it's going to be interesting just to to see what happens, how this this roster may uh, may change, uh, you know, before then. But uh all right, I think that was a good discussion. Let's let's take a quick break here, though, and when we come back, uh, we'll um, take a deeper dive on the these the the players themselves and discuss, um, you know, who's who's really surprised us, who's met uh, or exceeded those our expectations, um, and who needs to go on what I call a PIP, a PIP or performance improvement plan, um, going forward. So um, let's. Uh, stay tuned guys and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon hey hoopheads we appreciate you listening to this episode of hashtag lakers be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the hoopheads podcast network including cavalier central risen grind Knuck if you buck, 305 culture, and blazing the path. Also, don't miss our coaching focus podcast, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, and Bleachers and Boards. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game from grassroots to the NBA. Hey guys, this is McKay with the Hashtag Laker Podcast. I wanted to talk to you about Jersey Bird, your number one custom jersey shop. They've got high quality, low priced jerseys for you, your family, and friends. The folks at Jersey Bird are really dedicated to bringing you the very best jerseys with a focus on dependability, durability, and customer satisfaction. They've even got custom Kobe and LeBron high school jerseys for you to enjoy. So don't show up to your buddy's watch party looking like a bum. Hop on jerseybirdofficial.com, take a look at their selection, and use promo code LAKERS to get 10% off your order. Again, that's promo code LAKERS to get 10% off your order at jerseybirdofficial.com. Welcome back to Hashtag Lakers. I'm here with Jovan and Alex. And on this middle segment, we're going to continue our review of the first half of the season, but focus on the players themselves and identify those players that uh, have really surprised us or exceeded uh, our expectations. And then also identify those that uh, will, who need to go on what I call a PIP or a performance improvement plan. Um, uh, so, you know, let, let's start with the players that have exceeded our expectations, have surprised us, right? So, uh, Alex and Jovan, like, who would you say those players are? Um, I, I mean, I think Kyle Kuzma. I mean, I'm not sure if you mean in terms of new players or not, but I think Kyle Kuzma's been the guy 
um, on this year's team who's impressed me the most strictly from his everything outside of scoring. I think his offensive rebounding has been incredible in terms of uh, comparing it to his first few years in the NBA where he was kind of allergic to rebounding. And now he's just kind of crashing the boards every time he has a chance. He's not standing in the corner. I mean, earlier in the season said that, you know, he doesn't like standing in the corner when he's off ball. He likes to kind of being active and moving. And I think he's finally really doing that concerted. Like there's a concerted effort to do that. Um, he's making the extra pass. I think his three point shooting is better. It's obviously better than it was the last couple of years. I think that's right around where you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, I think he's just been a really impactful player. Um, he had a really great game against Sacramento where he kind of shows he has these flashes when LeBron's not there or AD's not there. He kind of has these flashes of like a little bit more scoring upside that he doesn't really get to show on a night to night basis as like a fourth or fifth option. But just overall, in terms of defensively rebounding, passing, I think he's really grown into a nice, really reliable player for this team. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I think Kuz would be my pick. If I was going to go with a, a, different option i'd probably pick dennis mm-hmm. um you know i i wasn't really sure how he was going to fit I, I had my reservations honestly once i heard he was going to be starting you know I, I thought that it made a lot more sense to bring him off the bench kind of replicate last year's starting group you know may, maybe start wes or or, or alex in, in that spot not really go with a traditional point guard next to lebron and, and then have dennis and trez really run that second unit with, with Kuz and, and, you know, have one of the, the better second units in the league, if, if not the best, uh, having, you know, the, the two, uh, the six man of the year and, and the runner up. And, and I think a guy who, you know, has some similarity to Lou Williams in, in his game and, and can kind of replicate some of that chemistry uh, between him and Trez. So I, you know, was probably a little bit lower on Dennis heading into the season, but I think all things considered, he, he's fit in really well. Uh, you know, I, I think there's been some growing pains in, in terms of figuring out the the shot pass decision making and, mm-hmm. and, and sort of, you know, kind of where he fits in the hierarchy behind LeBron, be behind AD. Uh, and, you know, his three point shooting hasn't been great, uh, you know, shooting 31.7 percent on, on the season. And I think that needs to get up to 34, 35 percent at least. But aside from that and, and some of the turnovers, um, I think he's been you know, really good offensively for, for being that third guy. And then defensively, I mean, that's where I've been really impressed with him is just <laughs> his point of attack defense, pick and roll defense, uh, his ability to defend bigger guys. Like I, I think about that Dallas game uh, on Christmas in the beginning of the season and, and his defense against Luca and picking him up full court. Like, I, I think he's really impressed defensively and, um, you know, is a different player than Rondo but has some similarity and I, I think could be an even better version of Rondo in the playoffs. Like, you know, a, a guy who's actually going to attack the rim, finish in the paint um, on top of facilitating and, and, you know, playing good defense and stuff. So I think he's really been exactly what the Lakers needed. And I think he's, he's pretty much played to the, the best of his ability, you know, given the role and, and given the constraint there. So I've been very impressed with Dennis. Yeah, me, me as well. I mean, I would have picked Kuzma Schroeder um, and I think uh, THT as well. But to go back to Schroeder, I think, um, you know, LeBron had a comment about, uh, um, and that was our like our episode uh, before we're ta- talking about how Dennis is, you know, was an automatic spark to this team um, while AD has been out. I kind of want to talk about, you know, uh, you know, Dennis Schroeder, how this guy, 
um, impacts the team, um, you know, the individual players that he plays with and, and really, uh, um, you know, just, just, just makes the team a lot better when he's out there. Um, Alex, I know you tweeted something out about um, Mark Gasol and how Mark has sort of uh, uh, been a little bit more engaged now that uh, Dennis has been back. Um, so I, I don't want to put you in a spot, but I want to uh, kind of uh, elaborate on that and see 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 where this conversation heads. Yeah, I thought Mark specifically because um, I'm sure we're going to talk about it later, but in terms of the new guys, I feel like Mark is still trying to figure out how to kind of blend in his game with this next to LeBron and with these players and stuff like that. But, and he's not really running actions from the high posts like he did in Toronto. He's not doing a lot of dribble handoffs, like t- stuff like that. But when you have a guy like Dennis Shooter out there, like I've seen at least, they have a nice little chemistry where they have like, if LeBron doesn't have the ball and their strong side, they have this little give and go action on the baseline they like to do where, you know, if Dennis is going up for one of his pump fakes, he likes to pump fake and draw that foul or kind of pump fake and throw the ball. It's like a little escape option that get it right back. And Gasol has kind of proven to be a little security blanket for him in that sense. And I think it has helped Gasol at least stay involved within the offense where he can kind of catch that ball back and then kind of hit him on that give and go pass or backdoor cuts and stuff like that. Like he had a really good chemistry with Steven Adams last year at the Pelicans as well. And he's kind of done well next to passing big. So I think in terms of guys, he's kind of at least helped or at least kind of incorporated more. I think it's with Gasol more than a guy like Davis or Harold, which I thought would be the opposite. Right, right. It's it's been interesting to see, um, uh, you know, his impact on this team. Um, you, you know, you kind of are touching on it now, and uh, with with Mark Gasol, Alex. But uh, let's 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 talk about like you know the, these player the players that we we think that uh, uh, what what I like to call a, a PIP, right, a performance improvement plan. Like, who are you seeing out there? Jovan and Alex, like that, 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 that you think, um, you know, might need to step it up a little bit and perform a little bit better um, as we, as we move forward to the second half of the season. What do you guys think? Uh, I guess Wes Matthews uh, needs to relearn how to shoot. <laughs> uh, he's shooting what uh, 30, uh, let's see, 33.7%. So not like horrible, but, but definitely below average. Um, but, but I, I think it's not just the percentage. It's the fact that he's passing up, open shots and yeah. I think people forget how good of an offensive player Wes Matthews used to be um like I, I'm bringing up his career stats right now uh this is a guy who averaged uh, at his peak in Portland you know 16 points a game and, and it wasn't just he wasn't right. some spot up shooter uh you know that that was you know it wasn't like a JJ Redick Duncan Robinson type like this guy you know could put the ball on the floor could post up uh could, could drive like he had a, a multifaceted offensive game and uh, you know, looking at it, like he had four years where he averaged 15 plus. So the fact that he's now become this shell of himself offensively and really even a shell of himself compared to last season with, with Milwaukee. And mm-hmm. I know he technically had a larger role, but he was only playing four more minutes a game. Uh, and you know, he, he was starting and he's been vocal about how starting you know, is important to him and, and is a comfort thing. And, and he's basically been starting his whole career, but just looking at, uh, you know, even last season, he, he's fallen off uh, not only as a three point shooter, but just his two point percentage overall, he's taken fewer shots. He, he's just being less effective. And um, I think he has probably been the biggest disappointment 
Uh, you know, I, I thought that there was a chance he'd be pushing KCP for the, the starting backcourt spot, right? Like, it, you know, when, once we knew that he wasn't going to be starting, I was like, okay, well, maybe Wes will make a case for uh, pushing KCP for either starting or, or closing. And I expected him to have a, you know, 24 to 26 minute a night role on this team. And I've been very disappointed, you know, quite frankly, with, with his play. Um, again, I w- I'd probably say he's been their worst rotation player on uh, on the whole this season uh, in terms of like the, the top 11. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it would be Wes. I don't really know what you do um, to, to kind of get him back. Like, I, I guess you just say, hey, anytime you're open, shoot it. And, you know, we, we'd <laughs> rather you we'd rather you take those shots than not. Right. Like, because I think he is. Like it has affected his game where he is now second guessing, you know, passing up open looks and then we'll kick it. Like there's a lot of those, there's like seven seconds left on the shot clock. It gets kicked to him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't shoot it. Right. Maybe he'll take a dribble and then try to find another guy. And it's like, dude, you got to just take that shot. Even if you're not shooting it that well. So I think he's the one guy that if he can kind of, you know, regain his footing and his comfort and, and play at the level that he's capable of playing at, I think that he could really juice up, you know, both that second unit and, and just give this team that three, like he can be that three and D guy, I think for this team. Right. It, right. He just kind of regains that confidence. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I totally agree. Like I can't think of another player on the team um, in terms of underachieving uh, like Wes Matthews, like in a lot of ways he was supposed to be like the Danny green replacement, right? Like he was supposed sure. to right, right. Uh, guard the, the other team's elite players and, he, he hasn't really been on the like good enough to be on the floor during those minutes. So we haven't even really seen a, a ton of a sample on that. Like the times they did play against the Clippers at one time, like he didn't have a ton of success against Kawhi. Um, he was supposed to be kind of more physical, strong base against those more physical wings. And uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of just his offense, like Yovan was saying, there was a possession yesterday against the Kings where I forgot who passed it to him, but he was right underneath the rim Right. And he kind of dumped it off to, I believe, Harold instead and right. ended the possession. So there's been multiple of those plays where he catches the ball and you can see it like he's open enough. He, he might not be wide open, but at that point, in the shot clock, they're probably not going to get a better shot. And he either passes it or swings it. And then it's just a possession killer. And um, yeah, and I, I, I'm surprised because coming to the year, like I mentioned the Danny Green thing, but he was supposed to be a guy who can at least have a little more off the bounce creation. Like if right. the ball did come his way, like he could pump fake and make a play outside of that. We saw a little bit of that in the preseason, like some aggression, some playmaking, but that's just been totally absent in, in the season. I'm not sure how much of that has to do with playing time, but again, like Yovan said, he's not drastically seeing a reduction in his minutes. It's just, it feels like a bit of a, a confidence thing. Yeah, I think I think that's that's true. I think that's who I had down. I think it is just a bit of a, a confidence thing. He's been very inconsistent um, all season long, and um, you know he was really brought in, right? Like you guys were saying, just uh, was his ability to shoot, create offense for himself, and obviously his solid defense against these uh, our wing players. Um, but you know his his shooting hasn't been un- his his shooting has been uh, unremarkable, and um, you know his defense has been okay. Um, could be a little bit better. But I think, like, you know, like, what well, he's making vet minimum, right? Um, I think at, at his current price point, I think, you know, I would have got, I would have loved to get more out of, of out of that. Um, but he's, he's like, with the current price point that he has, uh, with salary that he's making, it's, you know, pretty reasonable to expect a player, uh, uh, 
of of you know, a vet minimum player to produce this kind of performance. But um, but I didn't think it was going to be you know West Matthew. I thought I thought um, I, like like you guys had been saying. I thought he was going to be uh, a better Danny Green for us. Um, but uh, I, I, I don't really know. Like, like you guys said, I think it's just confidence. I think it's a mental thing. Um, hopefully he can pick it up. Um, you know, I have confidence that he, he can. Um, I think hopefully that he'll take some time off uh, during this break to kind of reflect on that, maybe shoot a few threes or whatever. Um, just get his conf- confidence back, right? To, so that uh, maybe, maybe we'll, we'll see a better version of himself um, in the second half of the season, hopefully. All right, so um, let's go ahead and our, our, take our last break here. Um, and then when we do come back, we'll talk about some of those expectations for the second half of the season that we might have and then talk a little bit about the upcoming All-Star Weekend. Uh, so stay tuned, guys, and we'll talk to you guys in a minute. Hey guys, let me tell you about these delicious protein bars. They're called Built Bars. Ever heard of them? The typical protein bar is dense, gritty, and difficult to chew. Not Built Bar though. The texture is light and fluffy, and it's covered in perfectly tempered, 100% pure dark chocolate. With each bite you take, you will think you are cheating on your diet, indulging on a chocolate dessert. We think you'll agree. There isn't a more delicious way to get your protein. Built Bar is the favorite protein bar of many fitness trainers and fitness enthusiasts alike. My personal favorite is the cookies and cream. It's like eating a candy bar. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LakerPod to get 10% off your order. That's promo code LakerPod to get 10% off your order at BuiltBar.com. Welcome back to Hashtag Lakers. I'm here with our guests, Jovan and Alex. Um, so on this last segment, we'll talk about um, some of our expectations that we have for the second half of the season. Um, and then, um, you know, later on, we'll, we'll kind of talk about the upcoming All-Star Weekend. Um, so Jovan, Alex, and Alex, um, what, what do you guys expect from the Lakers in the second half of the season? I know AD will be back sometime um hopefully <laughs> but i really i really want to make sure he's he's healed up right before he gets out back out there um we do have um a quote unquote easier schedule in march right then it kind of picks up um from there um and gets a little tougher and we have a lot of back to backs um so you know what do you what are you guys expecting from the lakers in the second half of the season what are your guys thoughts i think for me, it, like I have a list here of, of second half storylines that uh, I'm going to be working on. Oh. Uh, I think 80, 80s health has to be number one, right? Like, like nothing else matters. We, we can nitpick uh, the rim protection, the three point shooting, sure, uh, the 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 rotation, like the closing lineup. We can nitpick everything, right? But none of this matters if Anthony Davis is not healthy, and we have a a history of 
the Achilles injury being, you know, the worst injury in the NBA, if, if not professional sports. So that is something that I think the Lakers are going to be very careful with. Uh, I would not be surprised if he ends up missing some more time than we initially expected. Uh, you know, like they, they had that loose, he'll be out or it's not, he'll, he'll be out for four weeks. He'll be reevaluated in four weeks. So right. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up missing, you know, most of March or, or half of March. Um, you know, I guess technically we're already, you know, uh, almost a weekend and, and then, you know, another week of the all-star break. But I think it would not surprise me if, if we're seeing him like that final week of March or maybe that first week of April coming back rather than right after the all-star break. So I think that's really like the, the thing that matters the most is just preserving AD's health, making sure this is not something that is going to end up being something more serious, like mm-hmm. what we saw happen with, with Kevin Durant and the Warriors, but also something that's not going to be lingering because, you know, if, if it's something he can play through, you you might get him back and, and he can play through that. But if this is going to be something that, you know, is recurring and, and can get re-aggravated in the postseason, that's what you got to be, you know, careful with because, uh, again, th- this team is is really good and th- they're deep and they have LeBron and th- the, they're the defending champs. But if they don't have Anthony Davis, I, I just don't see how they are winning the championship or, or even getting to the conference finals. Uh, unless LeBron just goes supernova, which we've seen him do uh, <laughs> in Cleveland, but the West is not the East. And, and I, no. I just think that that's too tall of a task. So for me, it's 80s health. I, I guess the, the other thing I'm, I'm most interested in is, uh, you know, h- how... Seriously, do they take the, the seating, right? Because I think sure. you're going to have the 80 situation. Uh, but you're, I think eventually they're, they're going to come around to, they got to start preserving LeBron for the, the playoffs, right? And it, mm-hmm. it is a every other day thing. And I know LeBron doesn't want to rest. Uh, so I don't know if they're going to necessarily rest him. Maybe it's just limiting his minutes. But I think at some point it is going to be us being healthy and, and ready for the playoffs is more important than our seating. So I guess it's just going to be interesting to see kind of how they approach the the, the seating and, and um, their rotation during all that. And uh, so I guess those are the two things I, I'm really f- focusing on over the last, I guess, uh, 35 games or so. Yeah, I mean, those are the two big ones for me as well. Um, just touching on the seating thing, I think that's really interesting. And that was something I've kind of been tracking all year. Because, I mean, last time I looked, I think the Lakers still have the best road record in the league. It's like at home, surprisingly, is where they're just – um, I think they're like a barely above 500 or something like that. So, and now that, that was something going into the bubble last year as well. People are saying that could be a potential strength in terms of playing in front of, you know, in a game that doesn't have fans or playing in a kind of a neutral environment. And I mean, maybe that plays a factor into how serious they kind of take these last 30 ish games. And if really the seating is that important, or if it's LeBron's minutes and kind of giving him more days off, or if it's just making sure AD's, completely healthy before pushing him back into it because you know like like you said without ad i mean this is uh i mean any of the the minimal stuff can't, doesn't really matter because as we saw in the playoffs last year ad was instrumental to what they did both defensively and offensively and before he even like really got hurt there was some question marks and kind of some performances that kind of left us scratching our head like thinking if he wasn't fully healthy and i thought mostly on defense he wasn't giving a ton of effort Mm-hmm. So I wasn't sure if that was a lingering injury thing or if that was just him revving back up into after the short turnaround, but just right. making sure those two guys are ready to go in the playoffs and maybe dropping down to the fourth or fifth seed isn't the worst thing ever, considering a lot of these arenas 
Some have fans, some don't, but the Lakers have proven the last two seasons, including this one, that they can win on the road need be. Right. So, so with the, with, the, with AD's injury, I was talking to um, um, uh, a physical therapist on this. He's, he's also, you know, he, he calls himself a sports uh, injury analyst, but uh, he, he was saying that uh, with his injury, the, the Achilles tendonosis, right? That, that was the first thing that came out before he got the calf strain later on against Denver. But the tendinosis part, like just with the, the term tendinosis, um, you know, that tells, he told me that told him that uh, it was more of a lingering issue. It was chronic. It was something that had been bothering him. I'm not sure where he picked that up, but uh, if, if that, if you re-injured that, then, you know, it might take a little bit longer. And he was saying like, you know, it could take up to, to six weeks or more from from when the when um, uh, Denver from from that Denver game. So, um, you know, I, I wasn't I wasn't going to expect AD back at least until like April, maybe mid April, and then you know, um, you know, then he'll have to come back and and try to to play normal minutes, which which is hard to come come do that right after uh, an injury. Um, so he'll get he'll need to get back into to playing shape right and to uh, to to a regular season game shape um, and then in terms of the the seeding um, my only like concern is sure like I, I I don't care where we end up in seeding I just don't want it to be like this the seventh or eighth seed where you know those game those those uh, those teams may have to play in in the new uh format the the play-in tournament right and, and that's an x those are extra games games that uh we just don't want lebron or 80 to have to play uh and you know considering all the health issues considering well, what's going on with the lakers and and everything so um you know in terms of seating i just you know one through six i'm fine with right yeah i mean i i don't really see how it's possible that they fall that low you know barring a lebron injury on top of the 80 injury sure i mean look like they've gone three and seven over the last 10 uh they, they clearly have struggled without anthony davis so mm-hmm. i guess depending on how long he's out you know i guess it's it's theoretically possible that they continue to uh, free fall but i think that they'll figure it out i think they have looked better obviously since dennis came back and uh mm-hmm. that, that that's looked a lot better just overall, uh, you know, barring the, the last couple, or I guess the, the Kings game. So I, I'm, I just don't see, like, I think realistically that their worst case is like the four seed, like that. Okay. And, and they're already almost there, right? You know, they were uh, four until the Clippers just lost and now they jump back up to three, but I think they're going to be in the top four. And as long as they're in the top four, it, to me, it doesn't really matter, especially in this potentially fanless environment. But even if there are fans, uh, you know, there's a lot of Laker fans in, in pretty much every city, right? It, it, they go into different arenas and it feels like a home game. And uh, to Alex's point, like they have been uh, the, the best road team in the NBA mm-hmm. and actually been better on the road than at home. So I don't really think like at the end of the day that, yeah, if they're healthy and in the playoffs, I think they have a shot if not should be favored against anyone but if they're not healthy particularly with ad or you know they are in that seven eight seed for whatever reason then that's when some concern kicks in but i just don't see them dropping that low yeah i I agree like uh, unless something serious happens you know illness or injury i don't see them dropping that low but um yeah it does make me 
um, at least consider or think about potential buyout guys. And if they're more aggressive in the trade market or in terms of giving a guy like Blake Griffin a shot, if they think AD is not going to be ready or they need another guy just to give him a couple more weeks off, just some like a stopgap option. So if they do go out and get someone like that, or if they try to experiment or be aggressive in terms of bolstering the team, it'll be interesting to see how aggressive they are. And if really they're going to rev up and try to get like the top two seeds or Mm -hmm. not and how important they actually view those. Yeah, I think so. I think it'll be interesting. Um, to see that uh, I'm also interested to see how focused LeBron will be in the second half of the season. Um, you know, I just, I just don't want him, I just want him to stay healthy, right? Like we've, we've touched on if, if you put, if you uh, add LeBron to the injury list, I mean, this is, there's no way, there's no way we will, <laughs> we will make it through the playoffs uh, or, you know, there might even be a possible chance that we won't make it if if LeBron is also in that injury list. But um all right, so um, I think I think that was a good discussion. Um, I just kind of want to pivot and and segue to our last brief topic here on uh, the All Star Weekend that's coming up. Uh, I just want to get your thoughts quickly on on this on this weekend on everything that's going on. Um, LeBron's the only Laker participating. I know that there were a few invites, one to Alex Caruso. Um, to, for the slam dunk contest, and he uh, declined on that. Um, so yeah, let me, what, what are your thoughts and uh, on this on this All Star weekend? I, I get why they're doing it. Uh, I, I'm personally like just think they shouldn't be doing it, <laughs> um, right? Like I I just think with with everything going on, um, and I, I know these discussions always turn political, and and everyone has their kind of opinion on things, but I I just think that it's long as we're not out of this yet, which we're clearly not, um, unless you're in Texas or <laughs> I forgot what the other state was, but uh, unless you're in one of those states, we're not out of this yet. And um, I, I, I just think that it is a little bit reckless to bring all these players together, especially the fact that if you think about it, like these are the biggest stars in the NBA. And right. if there is some type of outbreak for whatever reason, right uh, now you're, you're decimating, uh, you, you know, you, the, the, the best part of the, of the NBA product, which is right. star power. So, um, you know, that, that's something to, to watch. And we, we've seen, it hasn't really happened recently, but we saw earlier in the season, how easy it was with, with the contact tracing and, um, you know, certain teams getting decimated by one guy having it and mm-hmm. spreading it to his teammates like you're now setting yourself up for that uh, situation. And I think if there ever was a time to not have the all-star game, you know, it obviously would have been this. And the fact that I also think the fact that they, they, you know, set it up and then had the biggest stars in the league, including LeBron, who, you know, was the first one and, and set the precedent that they weren't thrilled about it and really didn't want to be a part of it. And then continue to have the all-star uh, game. Like, that to me was a little, uh, just I think a little tone deaf, quite frankly, in terms of just not reading the room and what the players wanted, and um, you know, and, and I don't know, maybe maybe that was just some some public posturing from from some of the players, and uh, they were maybe saying one thing publicly and then privately were okay with it because I just don't see how you can have an All Star game when you have the faces of the league coming out publicly and all kind of chastising the idea and, and saying that it doesn't make sense, like it, it, you know, that just doesn't compute in my head, but. Um, that being said, like, you know, I'll watch it. Of course, you know, it's, it's part of my job. I, I got to watch it and LeBron's in it. So 
uh, you know, this might be his last shot for, for uh, all-star game MVP. Who, who knows <laughs> with him, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the all-star weekend. I'm, I'm for it. I, I would have been there uh, had, you know, the pandemic not been going on and, and this had been a normal weekend. So I would have been enjoying it, but I, I think with everything going on, it, it's just tough to, uh, you know, sort of look at it as a forced event that, that you're, you, there's going to be parties, whether the NBA wants it or not, you, you are bringing, families and friends and, and all these people together. And I just think, you know, it, it can work out as we've seen, you know, there's been fewer cases recently, but if it doesn't, it could be a disaster that we just look back on and we're like, why did this even happen in the first place? Yeah, no, that's, that's the thing for me. It's like, I, I view the weekend and I kind of just cringe at it. And I, I worry about the players, the families, cause you know, like Yovan mentioned, there's going to be kind of extracurricular activities involved and, mm-hmm. um, and, and just when you gather that many people and marquee players and stuff like that, you're, you are putting yourself at a risk of something happening or contact tracing or anything like that. And for a league who's kind of, of, of the four big sports leagues has kind of been heralded as maybe like the most forward thinking or kind of uh, always kind of putting the players first and letting the mm-hmm. players have their voices heard and stuff like that. And having guys like LeBron and others kind of voice their, their, their opinion on it and not being too pleased or thrilled with it, it does kind of feel like maybe for the first times in a few years where it's like, oh, this kind of feels like the NFL in a way. You like just a little bit disappointing, but right. again, I understand the factors involved why they're doing it and maybe the financial stuff like that. But yeah, um, yeah, it's just hard to kind of build a ton of enthusiasm or excitement for it. Even sure, even like if you're a fan of the slam dunk contest, like. The yeah. contestants are the guys people want to see. And just in terms of the pandemic and everything, it, it's just hard to kind of really get, you know, pumped for it. Right, right. I mean, factoring all that in that you you both have said, like, how competitive do you think this the All-Star game is going to be? Um, you know, I, I would suspect that some of these players, you know, they're, they're, they're all competitive players. They're all stars, right? But uh, do, you, do, you, do you see them playing half-hearted, perhaps? I think it'll be competitive. And I think... The, the Elam ending uh, was a success last year. And I think right. implementing that again is going to create, it just kind of creates a competitive environment, right? Like unless mm-hmm. it's, uh, unless it's like a, you know, just a blowout and, and you know, that, that doesn't really matter. But I think as long as it's close, which the all-star game usually is relatively close, you know, mm-hmm. having that ending um, will, will, will spice things up. And, you know, I, I thought last year ended up being one of the the better all-star games right. in recent memory, just because of how fun that was. And it really became, it's not always the case in the all-star game, but it really felt like at that time, it was a, everyone's going, you know, uh, full throttle mm-hmm. all the way in. These are the 10 best players on the court right now, like in this game. Mm-hmm. And it was just a, an interesting chess match of, of going, you know, small ball versus Embiid and, uh, you know, Le- LeBron versus Giannis. And it was just a, a really fun matchup. So I, I do think that once the ball is tipped, like we'll, we'll still have the first two and a half, three quarters of you know, guys taking half court shots and, and it's right. just being a dunk contest. And like, there isn't going to be much defense, but I think come the fourth quarter with, with the Elam ending, uh, I do think guys are going to start to try more and it is going to be interesting to see who are the 10 guys out there? How are they matching up? You know, who is taking over in those moments? Uh, because last year I thought it was really telling when it ended up basically being LeBron versus Giannis down the stretch. Yeah. I mean, I, I think having that Elam ending is, is big just in terms of having 
some type of stakes or something to like, as mm -hmm. you're watching the game, know that's, that's in the back of their heads and something they have to hit and stuff like that. But yeah, again, like it's just the exhibition. It's always going to be fun and that stuff. And after LeBron's comments today, maybe like the main thing coming out of it is how guys like Donovan Mitchell, or Rudy Gobert react or <laughs> any kind of shirts they wear or something like that. Like at this point, that seems like might be the highlight of the weekend. <laughs> oh man. Um, right. I mean, I, I guess for for a basketball fan, I'm I'm pretty excited to to see it. Right, like it's it's going to be a highly um, I, I don't know. I think it it will be competitive, but um, you know you have the the best players in the world playing and and um, competing against each other, so that that'll be entertaining. But just you know, for for a Lakers fan, I'm, I'm just worried about you know LeBron's safety. Obviously, uh, hopefully he'll stay healthy. Hopefully he won't contract anything. Um, and you know everything will be will will go smoothly, um, but uh, but yeah, I think I think that does it for today. I appreciate you guys both uh, joining today, Jovan and Alex. Um, I don't know if you have any final thoughts before we end the show. I, I would just tell Laker fans to uh, look at the big picture, right? And and this is a franchise that uh, if you go back uh, just this millennium, right? Like looking at. The, the three Pete Lakers or, or the the Kobe Powell Lakers, um, that that second championship was always a little bit more, uh, you know, a little rockier, a little bit more difficult. And um, you know, I, I think that that's just part of the journey. We, we saw it even recently with the Warriors and um, you know the, the, those Heat teams. And it's just it's always harder to repeat. There's always new challenges. Mm -hmm. um, you're getting every team's best shot on a given night. And, um, you know, winning a championship is hard in and of itself. But winning it again, like, you know, there's just always different things that, that pop up. And, and this year, you know, the, the Lakers challenge right now, I think, is Anthony Davis's health and and navigating this potentially tricky injury situation. So um, I, I think in the big picture, they still have LeBron. They still have AD. As long as AD can, can be fine uh, long term, like, I think there's nothing to worry about. Uh, so, you know, whether it's seating, three-point shooting, uh, the rotation, uh, Trez's minutes, whatever it is, uh, I think just, you know, relax, enjoy being the defending champs. And I, I think things are going to work out for this team. Yeah, I think I think just from watching the team so closely last year, um, just that realization that the playoffs are just a completely different animal, that things we kind of nitpick today from a, a game to game basis just are removed in the playoffs. Like the 10th or ninth guy art is important. Um, I think Vogel's rotations will obviously shorten the defense will get better. Um, they'll be a little more polished in terms of the uh, plays they run. Mm -hmm. The ball is going to be in LeBron's hands more like just a lot of the problems that are kind of in place now usually kind of work themselves out in the playoffs just naturally. So yeah, just kind of going off what you said. Um, Big picture wise, like I feel the team's gonna be okay. Obviously, um, as long as AD and LeBron healthy, that usually is a winning formula. We saw it last year, mm -hmm. um, and I think that's what they're still banking on. I think that's why they're probably not gonna make any drastic changes to the team. I think they still think having those two guys and the pieces they've added is enough, and that's just we have to wait and see how that that pays off in the playoffs. Right. Right. Well, uh, guys, thanks for, for joining the show. We had uh, Jovan 
uh, Buha. He's the Lakers beat writer for The Athletic, and he's the co-host of the Forum Club podcast. Uh, we also had Alex Regla on the show, co-host of the Taco Tuesday segment on the Silver Screen and Roll podcast. He's also the author of the newsletter, Throwdowns. Make sure you guys follow them and, and catch them wherever you, uh, you can. Um, again, thanks for joining the show, our podcast is available on Dash Radio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other uh, many other listening platforms. Um, please head on over to our to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, and give us a five star review. We'd appreciate the follows and all the reviews. It'll help us continue to produce this show. You can also uh, catch us on Twitter at hashtag LakerPod and on Instagram at hashtag Lakers uh, to get the Laker the the latest Laker news. Um, guys, with that said. Have a great day. Root for the Lakers, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Games in the Admiral refrigerator. The door is closed. The lights out. Butter's getting hard. The eggs are cooling, and the jello is jiggling. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.